Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. No matter what time of day it is or where you're located, you are here right now with me, Laura Paget. This is my podcast called Living What You're Given. And in this podcast, we have been dealing this year with different topics around aging, around pivoting, around many different things that can either be blessings or curses in our life. Those are our choices. But we are moving from our pivoting section now into our new area that we want to cover right before the holidays, and that is called whole bodies nerfed. Yes, that's right. And we want to talk about dismissing the perfectionism that may keep us from having blessed, healthy holidays, no matter if the turkey burns, no matter if the relatives don't get along, no matter what. We can have that by dismissing perfectionism and the expectations that she authors for us. So we're going to have a little bridge session here with a good friend of mine, Sue Donaldson. And we're going to be going from pivoting into dismissing of perfectionism. And in order to do that, I want us all to feel able to laugh with ourselves, laugh sometimes at ourselves, and be able to pick our lives up even when we think we've really blown it. But we can't do that unless we are committed to making our lives His Sanctuary. Welcome back in, friends, to Living What You're Given podcast. I'm Laura Paget, and I am very grateful you're here because this particular series, we're opening in the pre-holiday time for 2021, and we're talking about dismissing of perfectionism. So I've named it Poe Buddies Nerfect. <laughs> I, go ahead. That's good. Thanks, Sue. See, if nobody else, <laughs> else laughs, Sue will laugh at my jokes. That's but, right. <laughs> poverty's nerfing. And I have an awful lot of wonderful uh, stuff coming at you this hour about that. But before we get started, I want to talk about that music. Many of you know I use the music of my son, but also my good friend Stephen Ray Watts in the band of Doxero. And so he gives us his music to use, which is just very generous. And the name of that song is His Sanctuary. The reason I selected that for this particular guest is because her heart, her home, her ministry, and her podcast, all things we're going to be talking about, exactly 
are portrayed as his sanctuary. She purposefully makes it her life around a legacy of bringing people in, in welcome and love. And isn't that what Jesus is about? I'm just saying. Yep. So welcome, Sue. Before I read your bio, I want to say, hey, hi, Sue in California. Thank you so much. Lovely to speak with you. It's really a hoot and a holler. We have a lot of fun. And I, I've often thought, Sue, on our podcast meetings, we are on Zoom, right? And it right. looks like the Brady Bunch. Da, da, dee, da, 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 da. And we're all looking around at each other. But I've <laughs> often wondered, if I'm going to ask Eric one of these days if he purposely doesn't put us together because... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying I have friends where my husband will say, no, you two do not get it together. Uh, but we're pretty, we're pretty fun ladies. We're almost Yes, we are. Old. It doesn't matter how old we are. No, ma'am. We're the same age, almost kind of. And we just having a, we're having a party out here for Jesus. So that's what we're doing, folks. And this is who Sue is. Okay. She's a speaker, an author, and she and her husband, Mark, live in San Luis Obispo, California. She taught high school. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? I, I love it out there. I love California. She taught um, high school English. Yeah. In part of the time in Brazil. Mm-hmm. Brazil with uh, the Wycliffe Bible translators. She and her husband, Mark, I love this, have three raised daughters who keep them at the bank and on their knees. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. And she loves connecting with people. And connecting them to one another. That is why his sanctuary was an important tune for this show. She connects them also to God, to his word, and has been speaking for the last 20 years or so with uh, long pauses for babies, diapers, soccer, pasta parties, you name it. She's done it. (laughs) She does have a blog at Welcome Heart, Knowing and Showing the Heart of God. And I've read some of this blog, folks. It's encouraging and it's uplifting. And she also hosts a weekly podcast. She calls it Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life. We are going to put her links to her books, which she's also written, and the podcast and another link for one of her free resources for you friends out there. We would do that in the show notes, but we're going to mention it at the end of the show as well. Sue, you want to add anything in there? Well, I'm just so uh, delighted to have met you and the in the group Christian Podcast Association. You are delightful as your audience knows. And I do believe we are kindred spirits, even though we live far away from each other, we, we do have a party online and we would have an even bigger party uh, together. I am uh, blessed to have known God since I was a child, but there's always so much more to know, as you know. And so we never stop learning and we never stop uh, giving. So I think I just wanted to add that. And I think that's that's just a wonderful segue into what we're talking about. And as you say, you know, you were you have met you met God at an early age. Am I right on that? Were right. you were you a child when you were being taken to church and things like that? So I was uh yeah, a child because my family was a Christian family and they took okay. us to church, you know, since we were born. However, I did lose my faith some somewhat in college you can hear that on another podcast with Michelle Rayburn Mm -hmm. which was a complete shock to me because I was at a Christian college but I think it was a way it took about uh two years a year and a half of uh struggle 
faith struggle, but I think that was a gift from God. You know, often our trials, we never look at them as gifts until afterwards, until they're completely unwrapped. And the gift was, is that uh, what I was raised in was my parents' faith and mine, but when it went away, then when it came back, it was mine, all mine. And so I think that was good for me uh, intellectually to go through that, to decide for myself that what I've been taught my whole life was true, but I had to kind of figure that out myself. And I think we as Christians don't talk about that very much because we're afraid what will the doubts take us. And they are a bit of the dark night of the soul, but um, I think we need to talk about it more. And that's why I'm, I'm frank and open about it because people are afraid to ask questions, but God is big enough for all of our questions. So that's what I came to. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because even though you and I share a similar path um, now, uh, we certainly have come from different avenues. And uh, my heart is always, as I say, my mantra is I didn't come here to preach to the choir. I came here to cheer on those who thought they'd never be allowed to sing because that was what I came from was that. Yeah. So we we have I was in my 20s when I made a, a decision, my late 20s, actually, when I made a decision to. Uh, walk in faith with Jesus. But you know what you've said here is just a great opening, Sue, because what you said is, I faltered, I stumbled in my faith. I went away and I came back. The Bible is full of people who did exactly the same thing. Exactly. And our world is full of people who are searching, but have also done the same thing. Mm -hmm. So only goes to show you or shows to go you, if you don't mind, that (laughs) Nobody is perfect, not in their walk, not in their ministry, not in their life, and not in their hospitality, which is your specialty. Mm -hmm. Now, this particular show is going to be airing in November, and we've done this on purpose, friends, so that we can help to prepare a table of the imperfect for you and your comfort around hospitality and imperfection. And Sue's going to talk to us about that. She has some wonderful books and some wonderful resources we're going to share with you too. So Sue, one of the things for me, as I've unpacked all my defects or whatever, is to find out where do you think this perfection thing comes from? I think it's uh, a way to make us stumble. Uh, It's to keep us um, from doing what we're called to do, what we're designed to do, because we can always find someone who does things better than we do. And so uh, comparing ourselves with Martha Stewart or with Pinterest would make me just curl up in a ball and sit on my very big couch I got at the thrift store. I would just settle under all my Afghans and just suck my thumb and say, well, I'm not as good as they are. Therefore, I'm not gonna open my door even though the person next door really needs comfort right now or needs a friend or needs some direction in her life. I have neighbors on either side who fit that category and uh, they are lovely and become friends and they've been in my home when it's been messy because I sort of live that way. So uh, that's a very big question that you asked, but I think it comes from comparing ourselves and it comes from uh, fear. I think it comes from fear. And that's why my online hospitality course, I just came to me to call it no fear hospitality course, because we're all afraid of being known. And um, I remember a woman, a friend of mine came to my house for coffee 
once and she walked in the door and she said, oh, I feel better about my house now, <laughs> which I thought was a very backhanded compliment. And I just decided to take it as one because I made her feel comfortable. And I think that's what part of what hospitality is, is to make someone feel at home. Not that you pour the Rice Krispies all over the floor on purpose right before they get there, but so that if something happens while they're there, that you still keep your attention on them because God is always keeping his attention on us. And I wanna reflect that welcome heart to whoever walks in my door. And you do indeed, from what I've read, I haven't read any of your books yet, but they're on my list. And, <laughs> I, and I don't say that lightly because I'm not, a, I'm not the best book reader in the world, but I'm getting there and I'm telling myself, I have so many wonderful friends who have written. That comparison thing, whoo, huge. And even though your friend came through the door with a backhanded compliment, in some ways it's competition, isn't it? Well, last year, sister Judy had turkey and ham. So this year I have to have turkey, ham and lamb. I mean, there, so there's comparison and there is competition. Very, very good point. But I also think there's another big C in there. I call these the evil C sisters, the comparison, competition, control. I want control of all outcome. And that means it has to be perfect because it reflects on my ability to control things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm so glad you brought that up because if we can get people to uh, put their comparison in a box or put it someplace else and their competition and even the control, maybe we can uh, begin to move a little more comfortably into hospitality. And, and we're particularly talking now about the holidays. And so the other, uh, we're very, you know, sometimes very influenced by media, as we all know. So mm -hmm. we see the movies, we see the courier knives, we see the word Wally and the beef, and all of that stuff is simply illusion, do you think? Oh, yeah, it's totally illusion. And I think that well, when you were talking about the third C control, what flashed through my mind was that we have, we have children to teach us that we're never in control because, <laughs> because even when they're little, it's hard to control them. But when they're adults, it's impossible. So God reminds us that he is the ultimate one in control. And then this whole past year with the pandemic and the divisiveness of everything going on, we are not in control. And Whenever I come up against that C, I go, oh, that's right. Like I'm an idiot. Like haven't I been taught this before? Mm -hmm. And I remember we, we were first married. I invited uh, the pastor and his wife for dinner. And I thought I'll make something, you know, that I've made before. Well, no, I, I did a new recipe, but it looked easy. It was meatloaf, Laura, meatloaf. But it was a rolled meatloaf where you just put mozzarella and shaved ham and roll it up, right? Well, the mistake was I didn't follow the recipe completely. I didn't use enough. I used more hamburger than necessary. And when I was served, when I was passing it around, everybody was taking a piece of meatloaf on their plates. I, it looked like it was raw and I don't serve raw hamburger. I'm not one of those. And I thought, no, that's the ham, right? Cause it's pink. And then I go, oh no, it's raw. And I quickly picked up the plates uh, before I could poison my pastor <laughs> and I um, put them, praise God for microwaves. I mean, what did my mother do when this happened to her? They didn't have microwaves. And I'm the whole time, Laura, I'm, I'm, I'm doing each plate individually and sweating, you know, and my dear pastor's wife, who I just met, and she was an older woman, she said, 
I remember once when we invited the visiting pastor who was preaching at their church for dinner after church and she had used a stewing chicken. And I was thinking to myself, I don't know what a stewing chicken is, Doris, but please keep talking. And she said, and I didn't know what a stewing chicken was. And we got home from church and it was too tough to eat. So the guests had to take us out for dinner. And I thought, thank you, Lord, for Doris Keller, for sharing her imperfection. Amen. That made me feel better. And I just asked the pastor not to use me as a sermon illustration, which he didn't. <laughs> but the whole point was I made a friend through that. And when we are willing to be imperfect at the holidays, that's when people come over that we don't know as well, even relatives, we may only see them every year or two, where we are vulnerable enough to show our warts a little bit so that they are comfortable being vulnerable and transparent with us. Because Laura, if we are not, we can't get into a deeper conversation. We only talk about the weather or the hurricanes or where our kids went to college. But if you wanted to get into something deep, you have to be real. Thank you so much for saying that. And the thing about control just cracks me up because the other one of my mantras is powerless ain't popular. <laughs> powerless, powerless ain't popular. Oh, there we go. And yet we are powerless in so yeah. many situations. And certainly as uh, women of faith, we don't, perhaps, I don't know about you, I don't always surrender to the idea that I'm powerless. I often try to text God or send him an email or say, okay, here's your script for the day, Lord. But <laughs> yes. He, he doesn't answer. And I get it. I don't get it, but he always has a better idea. And that's I was say, he does answer. He, he just sort of ignores it by answering. <laughs> and you know, what's so interesting to me is that when you said that, see, he had a better plan. The point yeah, wasn't the chicken. Mm -mm. Point was the relationship, right? The point and is the that relationship. what you're always talking about, and in your particular ministry. And I mm -hmm. want to get into that because I want you to help share with us how we can begin to dismiss some of this perfectionistic behavior and the expectations, so we can relax into enjoying the blessing of the season. You just mentioned one. And that was being vulnerable in our imperfections. Can you give us a well, couple of more ideas? Well, to, um, to what help, has helped me the most is to realize that hospitality is not the same thing as entertaining. And the two points that um, I see in that is that the focus of entertaining is often the host. So we put pressure on ourselves when we're entertaining other people. And so if the focus is on me, of course, I am feeling self-conscious or feel like I need to do better. But hospitality, the focus is the guest. How might I serve them? I remember before Thanksgiving one year, my brother comes most of the time all the way from Washington. And I was praying that morning before getting the turkey in the oven. And I thought of what I'd written in my book, which is the hospitality focus is the guest. And so how might I serve my brother that I've known my whole life? I thought that was a little bit of a strange prayer because I usually think about how can I serve a stranger? So I prayed that. And then what happened that day was, of course, we still had 30 other people, but I know my brother was blessed as a result of me looking out for his needs, even though he's not very needy. 
And so uh, the focus of hospitality, to reiterate, is the guest. So you might pray before every time you open your door, Lord, what is their need? Because you know their real need, and I don't. Mm. And so help me to focus on their need. And then the other difference between hospitality and entertaining is that entertaining is often to impress. And that's the purpose. And the the purpose of hospitality is to serve. How might I serve my brother or my sister? How might I serve uh, even Laura, when you come on my podcast, I want to serve you because I'm hosting you on Make Account Legacy. And I want to have that attitude. So to answer your question, what might help us get over perfectionism is just to say, Lord, or am I about impressing someone? So that's entertaining. Or am I about serving? And that's hospitality. And you still say, I need help serving because I still don't know how to serve very well. And uh, I, I like to say that there are 17 reasons why we don't do hospitality. And if I thought of all 17 in one day, I would never answer the doorbell. I would put a big blockade in front of my door because it's just too much. But what it helps me to go through the list. I'll just give you a few. Is that okay? Sure. Oh, that's, that was my next question oh, because I first, knew that you had these. So yeah, now, I don't remember them all by heart, but the first top three perfect. are one is, uh, is that I wasn't raised in a hospitable home oh. or I was raised in a home of entertaining. So now I don't feel adequate to open my door. I can't be like my mother in Santa Barbara, so I'm not going to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mother wasn't raised in a hospitable home because they were poor in the, in the um, depression. But uh, so that was her mother's reason or excuse. And then my dad would invite people over and that made my mom learn how to do it. So by the time I came along, I was the fourth of five kids. I had no idea she had ever struggled. But the number one reason that I hear is even from my girlfriends are, well, you know, I wasn't raised with your mother. And I said, that's okay. You can start today to be raising your family in a different way. Um, because for the sake of your own children, so that they don't have to go through what you have to go through right now. The second reason people don't do it is that, um, oh, there's so many. One is they don't have enough time, especially when they're working full time. They feel like they can barely walk through the door and make dinner. So that's why I offer a lot of simple recipes. That first book has over 70 recipes and they have to be simple or I don't do them. And, um, So I think it's important to be prepared. And so that's another reason, or they don't like to cook. That's another one. Or they don't have Trader Joe's or Costco across the street, or they don't have enough money. It costs money to entertain. Oh, I spoke at this one church um, on hospitality. And then there was a luncheon and then I was going to speak again, but they were doing workshops. And so I sat next to this young woman and she goes, well, I didn't go to your hospitality workshop because we're in the middle of a remodel. Her assumption being, I can't have people over when I'm in the middle of a remodel. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that we were in the midst of a 13-year remodel at that very day because I didn't want to shame her. But I just had to keep inviting people over because I knew that they needed they needed to be invited. Oh, so if we get, get over ourselves, Laura. That's the main thing. We have to get over ourselves. Thank the you. whole thing about perfectionism is self-focused. And we need to stop navel gazing for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of loneliness, 
Loneliness is rampant in our mm-hmm. culture. We are not a gathering people. Other cultures are, but not Americans. Other cultures don't even need my book, but Americans do because we come home to a garage, automatic garage door society, and we don't want to get into other people's business because we don't want them to get into our business. But God is in the business of drawing hearts to himself and to one another. His heart is broken over our loneliness. I agree. And I've had people over because I've been lonely. It's, I call that self, self-serving sanctification, <laughs> where I go after friends because I've been lonely. And so some of the reasons are that we can't get over ourselves. We uh, don't know what to say when they walk in the door. That's why I wrote the book, uh, 252 Conversation Starters. So, uh, you know, we can decorate our homes or maybe we can pull out a good roast chicken, but we don't know what to say once they come in the door. So those are just a smattering. That is absolutely wonderful. And as and I was listening to some of those and I was thinking about a story. My sister and I, uh, my husband, when we lived in the Denver area, used to get together and you know how it is. The kids go to the other in-laws or whatever. And uh, so it was it was Sister Mary my uh, younger sister, I don't say littler because I'm 4'11". So, you know, (laughs) littler, you know, our whole family portraits on a postage stamp. But I said to sister, come on over, we're going to bake a chicken. So it was December in Lakewood, Colorado, famous for power outages. Oh, dear. Don't you know, it was just that chicken was in the oven and we were doing our thing and sister and I just love to work together in the kitchen and my husband is doing his stuff and all of a sudden bada boom no lights no nothing well my husband has a generator and so he fired up the microwave and we had chicken it was a little different but (laughs) sister and I named it the famous lights out chicken dinner there we go. And that's, there we are. And if I ever write a cookbook, I'll probably, but as you know, recipes and I are, we're a little distant. I don't work from recipes, but it just reminded me of that idea of anything can happen. And so what? Yeah. Nobody died. Yeah. Nobody lost limbs. And yeah. we had a wonderful, and we laughed and laughed. We still talk about doing lights out chicken for Christmas. And that, actually, reminds, that reminds me, it reminds me of what you said, um, it, it doesn't really matter, but you have this great story as a result. And um, when and no one died, my husband's a physician. And so he practices medicine. That's what they say. But if he practices and makes a mistake, someone could die. But if I Absolutely. practice hospitality, it's also called practicing hospitality for a reason. I get better with practice, right? Sure. And and but we're not in control because of the electricity and <laughs> it didn't ruin our day it didn't but ruin no one will nor- normally no one will die when i practice on you for my hospitality all right and you can practice on me anytime and Amen. you know i i do want to offer a caveat here friends if you're listening to um living what you're given with laura paget and sue donaldson right now we are talking about poe buddies nerfect releasing imperfection however if you are a brain surgeon, if you are a tax consultant, if you are an air traffic controller, you certainly are welcome to turn this off now because we want you to be perfect. We yes, expect we you. <laughs> we, we expect and, and actually demand. Yes. But speaking of that, when you say perfectionism, one of the biggest malignant tentacles, if you will, if you see it as sort of a big glob of useless stuff, 
one of the biggest tentacles is if I am expecting perfection from me, I'm expecting it from you. Oh dear. So here comes the family. And you know, uh, my father was a New York Yankees fan. My uncle uh, was a Brooklyn Dodgers in those days. Okay, so we're talking about last century folks. Yes, we are. And boy, you could see them get into it. And my mother would just throw her hands in the air and just scream, you do this every holiday. And you know, I'm not saying it's okay to come fist to cuffs, but please remember my family's Italian and Irish. So there's that. But <laughs> you know, it was so amazing that my mother every year had the expectation that she was going to have a perfect Christmas and everybody else is going to have a perfect Christmas. Boy, when we put that off on others, we belittle them just with our expectation. Yeah, we do. And we're going to always be disappointed, Laura, but I am always disappointed when I put my expectations in people because people are imperfect, no matter what they think of themselves as being perfect, they're not. And I can really be the first one to judge. And God has said that responsibility lays in his lap alone. Amen. And so I'm not to critique, I'm not to judge, I have to serve serve my guests open-handed, even my family. Our families can drive us more to distraction, as you just mentioned, more than the stranger, because we expect them to behave better. And so our ex, there's a verse, I think it's Psalm 62 in the old King James, because that's how I was raised, where it says, have your expectations upon God alone. And I thought that word alone is what will teach me till I die. Because only when I put my expectations, it's the same thing with marriage. I waited a long time to get married. So I married this. I used to tell my girlfriends while well, we were engaged a short time, but I said, hey, I have met someone who is a cross between Jesus and Prince Charming. And my friends who had been married for years would just roll their eyes because they knew better. And of course, I found out within two weeks. And so, uh, but you're still committed to an imperfect man. In uh, the great devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, yes. Oswald Chambers, the writer, said that Jesus never um, expected a lot from his followers. So he was never disappointed. He knew that he had the perfect thing down and he alone had the perfect thing down. So that gives me, after I go through the whole process of, oh yeah, that's right, they're not perfect, I'm not perfect. And then I have to realize once again, God alone is perfect. My expectation will be on him to bring from this holiday, as messy as it seems to have turned out, fruit, fruit for the kingdom, uh, for the people who come who may not know God, that they will know they are greatly loved. That is our, that is our ultimate um, result or purpose for any time we have somebody over. And when my purpose is to show off or I hope this turns out, that's not what God's interested in. He's interested in how his love is being translated through me. There you go. We're just the canvas. Ah, he's, yeah. he's the great artist. Yep. I say that every time I write a book, I say that every time I dance. You know, I'm just, I'm just the canvas. He, mm -hmm. He's the great artist. Yeah. One of the things that I had hoped we could kind of cover a little bit here too, so you have done a, just a brilliant job with these questions. Thank you is that what could we possibly do going into this holiday? Now, again, you know, we're in a tough spot. Our country's in a tough spot. There's a lot yeah. of stuff. And what you have mentioned about the loneliness has really, really touched my heart. As my husband just 
uh, read an article the other day and came to me and said, because, you know, as an extrovert, I'm like on two shots of espresso because I'm really an extrovert, which I do not apologize for. If I scare people, then that's their deal. But I had not realized, Sue, I'd not realized how hard I was going down and he could see it in me. Things were not okay. Mm -hmm. And finally, I put that imperfection before him. If it's an imperfection, I'm not sure. And he's he's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. And I said, I am lonely. And he kind of looked at me and I felt like, okay, I said the wrong thing to my husband. How do you look at your husband at 30 years and say, I'm lonely? But Mm -hmm. I told him, you can't be expected to be all things for me. And, right. and that's not a healthy marriage. So we talked about that. So I'm kind of, I'm doing exactly what you've been saying. I'm kind of reaching out a little more people coming in, we're going out, but it's such an interesting situation that we have found ourselves more in need of hospitality today than we have ever, ever seen in my okay. lifetime. So I'm saying my lifetime. Well, I I uh, grew up with it as a matter of course. Every Sunday, my mother invited anybody who was new that Sunday to dinner mm-hmm. because she had two chickens in that big blue roaster on time bake. And so the chicken would be done by the time the people came over. And we as children liked company because they would do all the work in the kitchen. We could still play. <laughs> um, but I learned that. So I became used to it, right? Well, then when I had my own children, I didn't invite anybody home after church because I had my own children. No wonder it's just so hard. You got to get them down for a nap. You know, so there's different seasons, different things that you do. But I remember standing in the church parking lot when I was single. I was about 27 and I saw everybody loading up their families. That was when vans were first new and they're loading them into their car seats and driving off without inviting me home for dinner, Laura. And I was so desperately lonely. And I thought, I think they like me. They laugh at my jokes. They invite me to the church functions, but I didn't get invited to their homes. So like you, I had to just make a determination. And I invited uh, about five or six women who I was acquainted with for a Saturday brunch because it was cheap, cheaper food. I could read a recipe um, and these women became my friends and they were just glad to get out of the house on a Saturday morning. So I did them a service, but I did it because I needed friends and I have never regretted that. By the time I left that uh, church four years later, I went to Brazil with Wycliffe. Uh, I had about six women I could call was before texting, but I would call them and say, can we meet? And they would treat me for lunch. You know, they were all worried about me and praying for me. So it turned out to be a delight to them because they're pouring into me, but also deep friendships. And so wherever you move, you need to start that over again. I had to do it again when I got to Brazil. Uh, my roommate said, you need to make friends. You're only going to live here two years. So, so she made up guest lists every Friday night for five nights in a row. And I made apple crisp every Friday night with vanilla and we bought vanilla ice cream. There were no chocolate chips in Brazil at that time. I would have made something else probably, but I got really good at apple crisp. I'm happy to send that recipe to your listeners um, or it's on my blog as well. Trisha's apple crisp because it's great for the fall. It's great for if you feel like you're afraid of making the traditional pies because of the pie crust. I also have an easy recipe for that. 
but you could always make apple crisp. It makes the house smell so good. You don't have to make a full-on meal when you invite someone over for the first time. This is a tip. I'm, I'm going into the tip section here. We're, we're in the tips now, friends. Get oh, good. <laughs> yeah, so you can, and I love, well, we live near apple country, even though we're by the ocean, seven miles from the Pacific Ocean, there are apple orchards tucked down in a little valley about a mile from the ocean. So we love to go get our apples there. It's called um, Avila Beach area. And um, we get our apples and then we, uh, one time we got this little funny mechanism where you, you do this with your hand, oh, no one can see me, where you peel it and core it. Yes, and slice yes, it. I have one and, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, my husband likes tools. So I actually got him in the kitchen that day and he was going to the band with those apples so much so that I made 11 fillings for apple pies and froze them froze them in the shape of an apple pie with saran wrap with all because you have to put the spices and things on it so they won't turn yellow with lemon juice and so like throughout the whole year it was kind of like living in the pioneer days I could pull out a pie shaped filling for an apple pie and just do a dutch uh, dutch topping you know where you don't have to use two crusts my sister-in-law gave me a pie crust recipe that makes four to five crusts and I keep them I have four balls right now in my deep freeze uh, they're about four inches across. So I can make a quiche at the drop of a hat or a double crust pie or not. And so I'm not such a great cook. I'm a practical cook. And so friends, one, of the tips is to, one of the tips is to be prepared. And that's friends. That's what we're talking about here is when you have that extra time. Now, let me put in. Uh, I know you have gluten-free people in your uh, family. I am a gluten-free person. There are gluten-free pie crusts yep. and they are wonderful and they taste like shortbread. I have four of three or four of them in my freezer at all times. Yep. I make the deep, delicious Sicilian pizza pie. It's a different. Oh, wow. Yeah, I want yeah. that recipe. Uh, yeah. Recipe. Okay. Yeah, you probably but, it's not a recipe. <laughs> you're going to have to come to the Western side of the continental divide okay. to learn how to do that, but you have an invitation, but, um, <laughs> you know, and, and so I've learned as a gluten-free person, how much more is available to us. And uh, that was not when I was diagnosed 30 years ago Wow. with, yeah, yeah. And, um, so went off of everything except for meat and I could have potatoes and my, my husband. Now, my father was not a hunter, so I was not aware of hunting, but my husband is a hunter. And so we eat elk, we eat deer, we've had moose, we have these things, and he fishes. So I was able to be okay, but no prepared foods. Salad dressings, no, I still make my own. Mm-hmm. And and so friends, there are ways to do this. And I don't, I that might be off the topic a bit, but I did want to be inclusive with the dietary specialities. And since I'm one of those guys who I says, uh, you know, gluten-free. I had a birthday party for my uh, good friend here in Montrose last week, and I made gluten-free Papa Carvello's uh, spaghetti sauce. I'm going to send you that. I promise I'll send you that soon. Okay. And, and the old man, you know, I call him the old man, but boy, could he cook. But mm-hmm. he, nobody ever heard of gluten-free in those days. And so everything was, was gluten-free. And we had a wonderful time, even though we all had dietary restrictions. Okay. It is doable and absolutely doable. And that's one thing I actually, when we invited my daughter's fifth grade teacher over for dinner, so that was about 15 years ago, um, I just off the cuff said, is there anything you can't eat? 
and she said green beans, which I thought was the weirdest thing. And, um, but I don't know if she couldn't or just didn't like it, but I was planning that was on the menu. So I was so glad I asked. You bet. And now she comes every Christmas Eve now in the mm, 15 years and you homemade rolls every Christmas Eve. Exactly. So friends, that's the other piece of it I wanted to say is maybe there's a fear around dietary restrictions nowadays, but you could always ask. And I sent the text to the two ladies who were coming and said, these are the things that are in the sauce. Do you know any of this? You don't like it. You know, it's like garlic, tomatoes, basil, oregano, garlic, uh, Italian sausage, garlic. We have a, the every other thing is garlic. And yes. so that's why I have low blood pressure, by the way. But I also believe that it might be another reason people are kind of jumpy around in-house hospitality. When I was uh, listening to your story about being that 20 something year old woman, that was my situation here in the town I live in now. Mm -hmm. And I talk about in my first book, I talk about the two people that took me under their wing. They mm -hmm. would take me out. Yeah, and we'd go have a buffet. Or we'd go have, you know, maybe a you know, on Sunday, we go have a wee pot roast or something at one of the wonderful restaurants. We still have great restaurants here. But the, the fact is, hospitality could also be an invitation out. Can it not, Sue? Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I think so. Especially when you don't have a big salary and you're not used to being going out as a no. single person. When somebody would even take me to get ice cream with their, their whole family, it made you feel part of a family. The scripture says that we are to place the lonely in families. And that means the divorced person who was used to travel, uh, you know, socializing yeah. with their husband, and now they are, they're downcast in spirit, but they're also lonely, and they really don't know what to do with themselves. So we have, I remember looking up in the choir loft um, years ago, and, and watching uh, an acquaintance, actually, I, didn't, I really wasn't friends with her, her name is Suzanne. Uh, sing. She was in the choir, and I thought to myself that her two best friends had re relocated that week. I just happened to know those two families had moved out of California, and she uh, was a divorced woman, mother of one. And so I went up to her after church, and I said, Suzanne, would you like to come for lunch? But you can't stay very long. You can only stay an hour. She still repeats the story to everyone she meets. Because I was eight months pregnant at the time, I said, I have to paint our kitchen before this baby comes. So she came for dinner. I enjoyed her story so much. She was born in Ireland. She told me this whole story about her dad building all her furniture. So I found out she's kind of like, likes to do house projects. So after listening to her testimony, she went home, changed her clothes, came back and helped me paint that kitchen. Oh my goodness. And now Suzanne, Suzanne, um, is practically a member of the family. Her daughter grew up going to all Christmases at our house and now lives in Austin, but comes home for Christmas. And so Suzanne and Heather come for Christmas Eve, they come for Thanksgiving and they come for a Christmas morning. Brilliant. And that was all because I was looking up at the fire, uh, choir loft and thinking, yeah. I think she might feel lonely today because her friends aren't here. And she's an introvert, so she would have never asked. Yeah. And friends, that's the other thing. And I, I love that. And again, Sue's answering questions that I would have asked. And it is <laughs> benefits of imperfect hospitality. Oh, yeah. The imperfection of a time assignment because you have a baby coming and a kitchen that needs painting, but still the offer. And look at this benefit a lifelong friendship. And she's told several stories where there have been benefits. Yeah. And I believe uh, this is a this is a great calling. And I don't think there's anywhere more or any time more 
when we need what she's saying. I know, I don't believe in my heart of hearts that everybody is going to be able to offer this gift. I think hospitality is a gift, but I also think it's a, I also think it's a way to connect with other people. And I think that's one of the ways we're going to heal our world. Oh, totally. To go back that- into the idea that Mother Teresa said, we'll have no peace in our life mm-hmm. because we've forgotten we belong to each other. Yeah, that's a beautiful quote. And, um, and I use it on almost loneliness is the worst disease. And she said that. And this was Mother Teresa working with the most diseased people in the world. And, and the loneliness. Yet she said yeah. loneliness was the worst disease. And we can be too proud to admit that we're lonely. Praise the Lord. You felt that freedom with your husband to explain that. And during my remodel, I said, I'll be fine as long as my husband takes me out to eat every two weeks and that I can still have company who don't mind that we don't have walls or that the stove has been moved or that the refrigerator has been moved into the family room or that we have to sit on the guest bed with a space heater. All those things happened because I needed it. But then the people who came in saw, oh, if she can do this with a half down broken house, I guess maybe I can have someone over. God doesn't call us to hospitality with He doesn't say, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you 12 place settings of china and silver and matching napkins. No, he says, I will give you rest. And so if you can have someone over with paper plates and take out pizza, gluten-free take out pizza, and they will feel loved, that's hospitality. Can I say that any harder and longer? And with the holidays coming, I mean, my brother even started a tradition on when he was not with our family to have Christmas Eve at Burger King because it was easier on his wife and they would invite anybody else after the Christmas Eve service to go there. I have a, um, a standing tradition of a Christmas Eve soup and bread potluck because soup feeds a lot of people. And, um, and I started doing it because my husband couldn't get away. He was always on call at Christmas and I would get depressed about it because I think part of Christmas is being having a big crowd so um, we've been doing this now about 15 years. And so sometimes we've had up to 50 people because people will invite other people who, oh, they don't have anything to do Christmas Eve. Two, two Christmas Eves ago, because that's when we were inside a church. I'm, I'm sitting in the back row because we're always late because I know I'm inviting 30 people over afterwards. I mean, that people are coming. So we're sitting in the back row at church hadn't started yet. A friend came up to me and introduced me to a new person. She was a divorcee. Uh, recently moved from Chicago and she was standing in the back hoping that her married son and daughter-in-law would come to church so she was sitting back there and I said well would you like to I just oh I just said well would you like to come over after church we're having a soup and bread potluck and you don't have to bring anything because I already already made three soups in in the crock pots no they were done and she goes, well, I'm hoping my son will come and then will invite me. Well, I did see him come in later. So that was a blessing. But she texted me about 10 minutes after the service and said, is your invitation still good? So she had nowhere to go Christmas Eve. And she oh. came to our house and she got along. She was such a cool lady. And she got along with all my kids and everybody. And afterwards, my daughter said, now, who is that lady? I've never met her before. I said, I hadn't either. She thought she was an old friend because she fit in so well. But she was a godly woman, but she was just left in a lonely place. That's right. Well, you know what, Sue? I want to honor your time because I know you have another thing going on. But each and every one of these stories is one that I hope has offered inspiration 
and some encouragement, not only to be hospitable, but perhaps to accept that hospitality of someone else, because that's important too, to drop your perfectionism. And unless, of course, you're one of the people we mentioned earlier, a brain surgeon or a traffic controller, air traffic controller, or, you know, tax accountant. Oh, yeah, tax accountants. Let's be perfect there. And I want Sue to take the next few minutes, however many she needs. I know she needs to run. She's a very busy lady. And I want her to tell us about she has a free offer, but also she has written some books and I'm going to list them very quickly here and put them in my show notes. Also, you will have her website in the show notes and what she's going to be offering to you. And it says, come to my table, God's hospitality and yours, one of her books, hospitality 101 lessons from the ultimate host, a 12 week Bible study table mentoring, a simple guide to coming alongside who do we need that today? Say something special 252 conversation starters, the ultimate guide to stimulating table talk. Those are her books. And I know she has others in the works. That's all going to be listed in the show notes, friends. But right now, Miss Susan, you have these few minutes to tell our people what you want to tell us. Well, I want to leave them with hope because I think uh, someone could hear these stories and say, well, that, that can't be me. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not a good cook. And I'm kind of afraid of people or whatever their hesitation is. So I want to give them a couple handles to to uh, really to empower them, and one is uh, keep it simple. Um, use Pepperidge Farm cookies; they're really good, and um, you can buy coffee at Starbucks if you can't make coffee. And uh, keep it very very simple. I also uh, give some simple recipes for muffins. If you make them, you stick them in the freezer, and then when someone's coming over, you defrost them quickly. So, and then another tip is to. Um, uh, to do it with a friend, pair up with somebody. Let's say you, after hearing this podcast, you you call a friend, say, "Hey, this is what Laura said, and I really want to get better at it because I know so and so up the street is new, and uh, I want to invite them over, but I don't want to do it by myself. Would you co-host with me?" There that has go. been such a help to me, especially with small children running around my ankles and spilling everything and making a big ruckus right before people come over. If I have some friends that I can depend on to talk to the guests while I'm finishing up in the kitchen, that has helped me so much. So all these steps are listed in the uh, first book. So if you didn't have time to take notes, I just want to empower, empower your listeners and, and uh, ask, have them ask Lord, how I want, to, I want them to see that there's something called a hospitality mindset where you wake up every day and you say, Lord, I'm yours. Who do you want me to invite into my life today? That's and then right. I call it an antenna. So we might need to adjust our antenna to be less perfect perfectionism and more gracious and more on the guest and less on ourselves. So we are basically adjusting. I have to adjust mine every day. Lord, I'm tired today. I have too much to do today, but let me be about my father's business, which may be surprise guests at my door that I wasn't ready for. That's right. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Uh, the, all your listeners, if they check that lead page, they will get um, a prayer for a hospitality heart because it starts with that and a recipe for chicken satay, which I got out of a mystery book. I love to read mysteries. And when they include recipes, I like to try them out. So it's a chicken uh, or pork satay on the, on the barbecue. And um, you can always do it indoors as well with the broiler. So there's that. 
And then I'm all about mentoring because um, you and I are Laura, or we just naturally share with younger people what we've learned. That's what our podcast is about. And so there are 10 worksheets that normally sell for $3.99. I'm giving away to your um, listeners today. They just have to click on it and to receive it. And those are just plain old practical things of what to do when you want to meet with somebody. You know you want to share with them, but you're not sure how to get started. So those are helpful. And then my main jam is speaking. I love to speak on hospitality and on spiritual growth. So you can see all my notes there. And you have been a gem of a host, Laura. So (laughs) thank you. And I just want to leave one more thing with you, folks. This is from the heart of a competitive and performing dancer of 30 years. I had a coach that once told me something done simple. Well, always beats complicated, messed up. Oh, I love so that. So stay simple. And that's the beauty of it. So thank you. This has been a hoot and a holler. And folks, we're going to uh, run on out of here now because we got we got stuff to do. Miss Sue has things and so do I. But bless your holidays as you start into them. Get ready of perfection. And maybe, maybe you might want to check out my website, laurelpaget.com. My blog is there and various, my speaking topics and check out the website of Stephen Ray Watts. He's a brilliant musician and I think you'll love his work. In the meantime, as Sue has taught us today, how about if we make our hearts, our homes, our minds, our lives, and our ministries his sanctuary. God bless.